0: And if you have your Bible, if you'll open it to the book of Revelation, chapter number 21. For those of you who are joining us at home today, we want you to know that we are glad you're here and glad that you're with us. And I would encourage you to take your Bible right there in your house and open it up to Revelation, chapter 21. It's one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. And today we're going to be thinking about heaven. But before I get into that, I want to ask you this question. When you hear the name of a famous city, what comes to your mind? Well, more than likely, if you're like me, when I hear the name of a famous city, I think of what that city looks like. Maybe if I've been there, I've seen some buildings, maybe I've seen a stadium, I think that's what it looks like. So for example, if I said to you, New York City, what, what is the visual that you have of New York? Well, more than likely, you imagine something like this. That's, that's a beautiful picture of, of, of New York, and that's what that city looks like. If I say San Francisco, what immediately comes to your mind? More than likely, you think of the Golden Gate Bridge, and that's, that's your visual there of San Francisco. If I say Rome, Italy, many of us have been to Rome. Maybe you have, but whether you've been there or not, more than likely, when you hear of the city of Rome, you're gonna think about the Colosseum because that's what would naturally come to our mind. I was thinking last week about Houston. What do people think of when they think about Houston? We have the Medical Center, we have Minute Maid Park, we have NRG, we have the Astrodome. You could put any of those pictures up. But as I was thinking about what comes to my mind when I think about heaven, and I may be the only one who thinks of this, but I want you to see what comes to my mind when I think of, not heaven, but Houston. When I think about Houston, here's what comes to my mind. The orig- <laughs> That almost is heaven, right? The original Nefas is almost heaven. So when I think about Houston, I think about that restaurant. I think about all the good meals that we've had there. My dad and I had a good meal not too long before the pandemic started. It's just a great restaurant. Now, I show those pictures today to make this point. Heaven is a city. Just like New York and San Francisco and Rome and Houston, heaven is a city. And so when you hear the word heaven, more than likely, something comes to your mind. You think about maybe a picture you've seen, somebody's drawn what they think heaven looks like. If you've grown up in the church and you've heard sermons on heaven or songs about heaven or even the song, I Can Only Imagine, even that song itself makes us imagine what does heaven look like. Well, what I want us to do today and what I want the Bible to do for us today is to give us a visual image of heaven so that we can do what Chris said, so that we can gaze on heaven and just glance at the things on the earth. As we saw last week, the Bible says, set your mind on things above. Say that with me. I love that verse. Set your mind on things above. Say it with a little more oomph into that. Ready? Set your mind on things above. And so if we're going to set our mind on things above, on heaven, It would be helpful if we had some kind of an image, some visual of what heaven looks like. Now, in our study of heaven already, we've talked about what heaven will be like. And we've seen that in heaven, it's, it's a perfect place. It's a new place. There's no sickness. There's no pain, no death, no sorrow, no sadness. None of that is in heaven. We've also seen that in heaven, we're going to be very satisfied because we're going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. We're going to be in our new bodies that will not even be capable of sinning. We're going to have new minds that will know everything and will be incapable of thinking anything that's bad. And so when we get to heaven, it's going to be perfect and it's going to be amazing. Now today, we're thinking about what heaven actually looks like. And if you're a note taker, I know some of you are, and some of you just, you don't need to take notes. You just memorize it and you can just go. But some others of us have to write some things down. So the first thing today that I want us to think about is the spiritual nature of heaven. In other words, if God would just peel back the sky, as it were, and just open up the heavens today and let us peek into the inside of heaven, and the reason this is important, first of all, is because all of us have family members and friends who are already in heaven, and we love them, and we miss them, and we think about them, and sometimes we wonder, what are they doing in heaven? What is heaven like? And not only that, those of us who are saved, we're going to heaven. And so we wonder, what will it be like? What will, what will I do up there? Well, the first thing that I want us to think about today is the spiritual nature of heaven. Now, in Revelation chapter 21, look in verse number 9. The Bible's, John, the apostle, is having a, he's really having a guided tour of heaven by an angel. And it said, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Now, you might want to circle that word glory. In the Greek language, it is the word doxa, from which we get our word doxology. It means glory, honor, praise, and worship. And then it says, Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. The first thing that we would notice if God would open up the heavens and let us look in today is that heaven is a place of worship. The angels are worshiping God right now in heaven. The cherubim, the seraphim, they're all worshiping God in heaven. All the believers who are already in heaven From Old Testament times, New Testament times, the church age, the last 2,000 years, they're in heaven now, and they're worshiping God, singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so I've always felt like that when we come to church together on Sundays... The first half of this worship time should mirror what is happening in heaven. And it has done that beautifully today. What have we been doing from our hearts and with our voices? We have been worshiping God, giving honor and glory and praise to God. And then the second half of the service, as we study the Bible, what should it do? It should help us to see heaven more clearly so that we can live our lives down here on earth with heaven on our mind, making decisions that will affect us in the long term and not just decisions that will gratify us temporarily and in the short term. But what I want you to see here is the spiritual nature of heaven. It is a place of worship. Now, let's think about the size of heaven because as I study this sermon... This was fascinating to me, and I don't think I had ever kind of gotten into it quite this deeply, but the Bible has quite a bit to say about the actual physical size of heaven. Now, let's look in verse number 15. We'll just jump down to that verse. We'll come look at some other verses in a, a little bit later, but it says, and he, that is the angel who talked with me, had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall, and the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth, and he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Now, I'm reading out of the New King King James, and it says 12,000 furlongs, and that doesn't mean anything to me. Some of you are reading out of the NIV and it's going to talk it's going to use the word stadia s t a d i a it's another measurement but that probably doesn't mean anything to you so what is this how what are the dimensions of heaven keep in mind it's the same size in length width and height now the new living translation i think does an excellent job of telling us more specifically, what this means. By the way, if you convert those measurements that I just read into our understanding, it would be 1,380 miles. So heaven, now imagine this, 1,380 miles long, 1,380 miles wide, and 1,380 miles high. So it is a square, it is a cube. Listen to how the New Living says that. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it is long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. And so the New Living Translation rounds it up from 1,380 miles to 1,400 miles, which says to us heaven is a huge city. Now, even though I understand miles more than some of these other measurements, those numbers still stagger my mind, and so I'm trying to imagine a city. Let's just round it off and say 1,400 miles long. How do you get that in your mind? Well, I want us to see a map of the United States. We're all familiar with this, and that's what our country looks like. Now, if you started on the eastern side of that map at the Atlantic Ocean, and you began to travel towards the west 1,300 or or 1,400 miles would take you to the border of Colorado, and that is how long heaven is. So we can shade that now, and they'll get a picture. So now the top obviously is jagged, and the bottom is jagged, and that uh, eastern border is jagged. But in your mind, if you could just draw a solid blue line for that whole area, that is 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles deep, or, or, or... wide first, and then long, and then also it says 1,400 miles high. So what I want you to see here is that the city of heaven, that's a city, and the city is almost half or maybe more than half the size of the United States of America. So when we think about heaven as a city, you know, Rome is a city, New York is a city, yeah, but heaven is in a whole nother category. There's never been a city the size of that, which says that everybody who has ever been saved We'll have plenty of room in heaven. Now, one of the interesting things as we think about the size of heaven is to, is to think that heaven not only is 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles long, but it is 1,400 miles high. Now, today, you don't think of cities in terms of height. If you went to meet with the, the leaders of the city of Pasadena and said, give me the dimensions of Pasadena, Texas, they could do that. They would say it's this many miles long, it's this many miles wide, it's this many square miles. But they wouldn't say it's this many miles high because the city of Pasadena doesn't have a, a, top, doesn't have a ceiling to it, as it were. It just goes up as far as you want it to go. But heaven has a ceiling. Heaven has a top to it. Now, maybe the top or the ceiling of heaven will be the sky. Now, we know as it is right now, heaven is above the sky. But remember, eventually, heaven is coming down to the earth. And so at that point, heaven will be below the sky. And so even the sky itself, as we know it now... When the whole earth and world is remade, you remember a few weeks ago in our sermon we talked about out of 2 Peter that God is going to take the elements of this earth, the ground, the mountains, the the islands, the trees, even the atmospheric level, the sky, and God is going to melt those things away. God is going to purify those elements and he's gonna make a new earth and new heavens, new atmospheric heavens. Either one of two things will happen. Either God will just destroy everything in the world and start over and build something new, Or more than likely, God will take the world as we know it now, and he will apply fire to it, not to destroy it as it were, but to lay it bare and to purify it. And he will then rebuild the atmospheric heavens and the earth as we know it. He will rebuild that out of the purified earth. It's very much like the car that you're driving now. The car that you're driving now, more than likely, the, the pieces to that car came from a, from a junkyard somewhere. Your the, the outside of your car was probably the outside of somebody else's car before it became your car. And it ended up in a junkyard. Maybe it had been in an accident or something. So what did they do? They compressed it. They, lit it on fire as it were, they burned it up, they purified that, and then out of that they made a new car. Well, that's the image that we get in 2 Peter of what God is going to do with the earth. He's going to purify it and then make new heavens and a new earth. And so we know that the sky could be the ceiling of heaven or maybe it's something else, but nonetheless, heaven has a top to it, but it's a long way up there. It's 1,400 miles. It's as far as the Gulf of Mexico is from Canada. That's how high heaven is, and so it's absolutely amazing. Now, let's, as we think about not only the size of heaven, let's think for a moment about the structure of heaven. In other words, what is heaven constructed of? If we were having this guided tour today, if God somehow said to us what he said to John, John, I'm assigning an angel to you, And this angel is going to walk you around heaven. Certainly, we would notice the spiritual nature. Everybody's worshiping God up there. But we would also notice the enormity of heaven. And then we would begin to see specific things about heaven. Let's think about those now. First of all, let's think about the wall that surrounds the city of heaven. Now, look back in verse number 12, the first half of that verse. John said, also she, he's using she to describe the city of heaven, had a great and high wall with 12 gates and so the wall around heaven is very high look in verse 17 then he measured its wall 144 cubits according to the measure of a man that is of an angel now again 144 cubits doesn't mean anything to me but literally what that is is 216 feet which is the same thing as 72 yards now here's the question When the Bible says, and if you convert all these measurements, that this wall surrounding heaven is 216 feet, does that mean 216 feet high or does that mean 216 feet thick? Most Bible scholars say they believe it means it is 216 feet thick. In fact, if I could read from the New Living Translation again, it just says that in verse 17. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick. If you have the NIV, it won't give the same exact measuring instrument there, but it uses that word thick. So 216 feet thick. Most Bible scholars, now we'll have to wait till we get to heaven to know for sure if this is the case, most Bible scholars believe that the wall surrounding heaven is 1,400 miles high. In other words, that the wall goes all the way to the ceiling, just like in our houses. Our houses have ceilings but our houses have walls. How high do the walls go? The walls meet the ceiling. And so many believe that, and certainly the translators of the NIV and the New Living Translation believe that this 216 feet, these 72 yards, is the thickness. Now use your mind. A football field is 100 yards long. So 72 yards is three quarters almost of a football field. And so that's how thick the walls, this wall around heaven would be. It would have to be that thick if it's going to go that high up into the earth. Now, the interesting thing about these dimensions of heaven, 1400 miles long, 14 wide, 14 high, it forms a cube, a perfect cube. And in the ancient world, and even today, the cube is considered, you know, geometric perfection it's the same size in all angles interestingly enough in the old testament first kings chapter 6 we read that the holy of holies which was located inside the temple known as the inner sanctuary also where The high priest would go once a year to make atonement for his sins and for the sins of the people. It was a very holy place. It was a place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept, which represented the very presence of God on earth. That the first Kings chapter 6, verse 20, we read that the Holy of Holies was 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 30 feet high. Think about that. The, The one room on earth that was set aside, set aside as a as a literal representation of the presence of God, it was a perfect cube. So it makes sense if God's house on earth was a cube, that God's house above in heaven is a perfect cube. It's a very interesting thing, and it is surrounded by a huge, huge wall. But not only the wall, look at the gates. Again, back in verse 12. And she had a great and high wall with 12 gates. And so it's not a solid wall. We build walls today to keep people out. Heaven has walls to let people in. has 12 gates. Uh, gates around, these, around this wall and 12 angels at the gates. Now the angels are not there to protect us because what would they protect us from? Anything that would harm us is in hell at this moment, at this point. So they're just there because God tells them to be there. There's no danger that they would be protecting us from. And names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, Three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. As you think about heaven, remember Paul said, "Set your mind on things above." I'm giving you the Bible is giving us a clear picture of heaven. It's a huge wall. The wall is four-sided, and on each side there are three gates. And an angel is standing at each and every one of those gates. Now, how about the foundation of the city? Look in verse 14. Now, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. It's interesting to me that the names of those apostles are on the foundation because in their preaching and in their teaching, what were they saying to the early uh, people who lived back in the first century? They were saying Jesus Christ must be the foundation of your life. You must trust in Him. You must receive Him. You must build your life upon Him. He's the foundation, Ephesians 2.20. And so now in heaven, the foundations of this city have the names Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and so on. And it is symbolic that while on earth, they taught that jesus was the foundation now in heaven their names are ever on the foundation now something else interesting to me about the foundations a foundation says there is a permanence to heaven in other words there's something about a foundation even in your house it gives your house strength and it gives your house permanence well how much more so in heaven let me give you a scripture verse in hebrews chapter 11 and in verse number 10 we read about abraham and Isaac and Jacob, his son and grandson. And it says that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob spent their whole life on earth dwelling in tents. They would would go to a place, they would pitch their tent, they would live in that tent for a while, and then God would tell them to go somewhere else. So they would pack up their tent, and they would go to the next location. They they were living in tents, Hebrews 11.10. It says Abraham was waiting for that city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was waiting for a city that had permanence to it. His whole life was spent moving around and living in tents, but he said, one of these days, I'm going to a different place. One of these days, I'm going to live in a heavenly city. It has been built by God, and in that heavenly city, there are foundations and there's a permanence to it. That says to me that my loved ones today in heaven, your loved ones in heaven, they are in a permanent place. You know, so much of life is spent, as it were, in tents. We're moving from one place to another. I've not, maybe you have, I've not been in an airport since this pandemic began. I just haven't. But if it weren't for the pandemic, I would occasionally be in an airport. And every time I'm in an airport and I see hundreds Even thousands of people walking down the concourses, getting off a plane, getting on another plane. I always ask myself this question. Will there ever come a day where we all get where we're going? I mean, will we ever get where we're going? Well, the answer to that question is yes. One of these days, we're going to get where we're going. By the time we get to Revelation 21, the, the great white throne judgment has already taken place. All unbelievers have been sent to an eternity in hell. The devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet in hell. And in Revelation 21, where are we? We are in heaven. We're in that city that's been built by God which has foundations. And that says to me, once we're there, we're there for all eternity. And that's what Abraham was looking forward to. The city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Notice also the the Materials and colors of the city of heaven. Look in verse 18. The construction of its wall was of jasper. We think of a wall as maybe being a brick wall or a stone wall. Certainly, you can't see through it. I mean, there's there, like in the back of this worship center, we have walls. They're beautiful, but they're brown walls. I can't, I can't see through the wall to see what's happening on the other side of the wall, but in heaven, it's going to be different because it says it, it's uh, the construction of this wall was of jasper, literally like a clear quartz, like a diamond. Just like you could take a diamond, hold it up, and look through it. That's what the wall in heaven will be like. And also it says at the end of that verse, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. And so a pure gold, it's transparent. It it is as though you can almost look through the gold because it's absolutely beautiful. Now, beginning in verse 19, and I'm not going to take the time to break all these stones down If we did, we would see that every color in the rainbow is represented in these stones. But it starts out by saying the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kind of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, and so on. And if you study that, you see all the different colors. One of the things that will impress us the most when we first get to heaven will be the different colors we see. It will be so bright and so brilliant, the light of heaven. In fact, if we were, if we were taken to heaven today with our earthly eyes, the light of heaven And certainly from the presence of God would completely blind us. Our eyes couldn't handle that. But remember, we get to heaven, we have a new body. And with that new body, we have new eyes. And with those new eyes, we can see the light and the colors and the brightness and the brilliance. And our eyes not be damaged at all. But one of the things that is interesting to me is all these different colors. And then the street of heaven. Look at the end of verse 21. And the street of the city. Now notice it doesn't say the streets. There may be more than one street in heaven, but here it just says, And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. And so we're getting a picture now of, even if there are multiple streets, there's one main street in heaven. And that main street is made of pure gold. Again, transparent. You can just look through it. And it is, it is that absolutely amazing. And then I want to go back to these pearls one more time. Look again at the, fir- at the very beginning of verse 21. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. Now, if the scholars I have read are correct, and the wall goes all the way up to the ceiling of heaven, 1,400 miles almost in height, One scholar I read as recently as last night said that he believes the gates are as high as the ceiling. So if that's that's literally true, you have a gate that is 1380 miles high and it is made out of one pearl. Now, if a lady wears a necklace today, a pearl necklace, there are many pearls involved in that. But in heaven, it will be, each gate will be made out of one pearl. And so, get the image of this. When you die, and you're taken by Jesus and the angels up to heaven, and you are going through the gates, through one of those gates, and an angel is there to greet you at the gate, that may be the primary purpose of the angel, to greet us. As we come through one of those gates into heaven, not only will you notice the enormity of it and the brilliance of it and the colors of it and the, 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 the size and the, the wall, and the, but one of the things that you're going to first notice when you get to heaven, and one of the things that your loved ones noticed first when they went into heaven is this pearl gate. And when they walk through that gate, they looked, and remember when we get to heaven, we're not only going to have perfect eyes and a perfect body, we're going to have perfect minds. We're going to know way more in heaven than we know on earth. If you're glad about that, say amen. I mean, we're going to know everything. We're going to be like Jesus. One of the things that we'll know, whether we knew it on earth or not, we'll know it when we get to heaven, when we see those pearls. Our mind, our, our memory will be activated. And we're going to be reminded that a pearl comes from an oyster that has been injured. Now, most of us know a little bit about how pearls are formed and fashioned. I read a little bit about that this week to try to get that more in my mind. And I want to read you what I learned. A pearl forms when an irritant works its way into an oyster. We always think of a grain of sand, and it could be that. But more than likely, a a pearl is actually formed when a parasite attacks an oyster and begins to irritate it. And listen to how God made the oyster. As a defense mechanism, the oyster secretes a fluid to coat the irritant. Layer upon layer of this coating is deposited on the irritant until a lustrous pearl is formed. Now think about that. A pearl is formed because an oyster experienced pain. And God so made the oyster that when it experienced pain, maybe it is a grain of sand, more than likely it's a parasite, but so that that grain of sand or that parasite won't destroy the oyster, God. Built in an, an internal mechanism, a defense mechanism, so that that oyster could somehow secrete a certain fluid that would cover that irritant. And then, after it had one coat, more fluid was secreted and more of that irritant was covered. And it happened again and again and again. And after, after multiple layers have covered that irritant, what do you have? You have a pearl. And then people who do this type thing go and they get these oysters and they remove the pearl from the oyster without hurting or killing the oyster. And there you have a pearl. Now think about, what, think about what the Bible is saying to us here. The Bible is saying to us that when we walk through one of those gates of heaven and are greeted by the angel, taken into the very presence of God, that we can't help but notice these pearl gates. And that pearl gate will be a reminder to us that pearls come from pain. And in our new, not only perfect mind, but in our spiritually thinking mind, what will we think to ourselves? We will say to ourselves, as we're walking through that gate, had it not been for the pain that Jesus Christ experienced on that cross, it would have not been possible for me to walk through this pearl gate into the presence of God himself. The pearl gate itself will be a reminder of the pain that Jesus experienced. You see, on that cross, what happened? Jesus took the irritants, the parasites, the sand of our sin, as it were, upon his body. And he died a painful death, shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven and our souls could be saved. And yet it is from that pain that 12 beautiful gates have been built in heaven and those gates are made of pearl, and those pearls will forever be a reminder of the pain that Jesus experienced. But not only will those pearl gates be a reminder of Christ's pain, I believe that when we get to heaven and walk through that particular gate, whichever one you walk through, north, south, east, or west, gate 1, 2, or 3 on your side, when you walk through that gate and you see that pearl, not only will you be reminded of the pain that Jesus went through that made it possible for you to go to heaven, but you will be reminded of all the painful circumstances and situations in life that God brought you through. Acts 14, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Jesus had pain that made it possible for us to go to heaven. We have pain emotional pain, physical pain, all kinds of pain on this earth, and most of us, probably all of us here could look back on the most dark and painful experiences of our life and say, God, when I didn't see how I was going to go another day, when I didn't see any way forward, God, you made a way where there was no way. You made a river in the wilderness and a road in the desert. And God, you saw me through those painful experiences. So think about this. When we get to heaven, we're going to have two reasons to be grateful, two reasons to be thankful, just by looking at the Pearl Gate. Thankful for the pain that Jesus experienced and thankful for his faithfulness to us as we walk through those painful experiences of life. Listen, some of you today are going through a very painful experience in your life. And it's hard, and it's, maybe it's keeping you up at night. I talk to, I mean, maybe you're losing weight. Maybe you can't concentrate. Maybe you're, I mean, you're so stressed out, your body is, your body is aching. Your mind's not right. You've, you just almost lost your equilibrium because of what you're going through. I'm telling you this, if you will give that to God and trust God with that, His grace will be sufficient. He'll see you through that. And one of these days, you'll thank Him for how faithfully He led you through everything we go through in life. That's just the kind of God He is. And so, as I think about heaven, now you still listen? Say amen. As I think about the spiritual nature of it, it's a place of worship. Listen, if you don't enjoy worshiping God on earth, you'd be out of place in heaven because that's what it's going to be. The the size of it, the sheer enormity of heaven, and then this structure that we've talked about. I just have this question that I'm going to stop today. Do you know beyond the shadow of any doubt, that one of these days you're going to walk through one of those gates and you're going to go to heaven for all eternity. I just wonder that. I look around this room today and and we've got a good, I mean, we're in a pandemic on Thanksgiving weekend. I don't know how many people are in here, but this this is a good group considering what the world is going through right now. And I just can't help but wonder today, how many people in this service, last Sunday morning in this service, nine people prayed to get saved. And I just wonder today, this week, how many people in this service would say, you know, John, that's been interesting, all that stuff about heaven. I knew some of it. I didn't know all of it. I've learned something. But here's the question. Not how much you know about heaven, but do you know beyond the shadow of any doubt that one day you're going to heaven so that you can spend eternity with God there?